Welcome to episode 310 of the Motorsport 101 podcast, powered by Honda? Roll titles. Well, apart from Formula E, because they're not in that series yet. But anyway, hey guys, Dre here. Welcome to episode 310 of Motorsport 101 here. And uh, the most, shall we say, diverse episode of the show we're ever going to record because we have four individual series all featured in this week's episode. We'll be covering Formula One at Paul Ricard, which, oh my god, for a couple, like, not for the first time I've said this this season, a good insert country here Grand Prix. We had a very good French Grand Prix. I don't know how we got here, but we, we got All there. y'all doubted me. All y'all doubted me. <laughs> We were. I hate that he. We, no, we, we, I hate that he's no, right. We, we were right to doubt you. We should have doubted you, but Mercedes screwed the pooch. Wait. Look what you did, Mercedes. You made King smug. Ugh, I, I don't like it here. Look what he's done. He's, oh dear. But yes, yeah, so we had a very good French Grand Prix. We'll be talking all about that and the strategy call heard around the world. We'll be talking MotoGP in Germany as. The king returned to claim his throne. We'll be talking IndyCar at Road America, where Joseph Newgarden's gearbox decided, um, nope, um, at the end in uh, stunning and awful dramatic fashion. And we'll be talking Formula E in Mexico, where um, a guy got disqualified as he was crossing the finish line. No, seriously, that happened. Um, and that's barely scratching the surface on all the series we get to cover over the course of the next hour and change or so. But with me, as always, RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Honorable mention to Nire Fukuzumi for winning the Super Formula race and extending the Honda dominance of the weekend at Sportsland Sugo. Oh, yeah. Even, this, even, this is even a good, good weekend for Honda. This, this is like the best weekend for Honda since they dropped the first generation NSX. Straight out of Ayrton Senna's shed, where he personally hand-welded all the parts of the chassis. Not everybody knows about this, but it's true. <laughs> it's never mentioned. It's never mentioned. Um, also, we have some interesting milestones to talk about real kick as well. Because uh, a small round of applause... Celebrating his 300th appearance on Motorsport 101, it's Ryan Eric King, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Ryan. Good to see you, yeah, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Gl- glad I, I made it to 300. Um, yeah. Uh, hope, hope I'm here for 400. Uh, I, I, I might get caught out or just miss a ball and it'll hit the wicket, but I, I hope I'm here by 400. <laughs> Yeah, and let it be look, said that Ryan Eric King has reached the unreachable star. Now with as many <laughs> podcast appearances as Donnie Schatz has World of Outlaws main event victories. Shout Chris DeHarnay was begging for us to get that in the episode somewhere, and we did it just for him. See, Chris, that's for you. Um, just let everybody know, I got I got petty beat by wide margin. <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, you're never touching me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Kyle Petty's 200 wins! <laughs> no, Very Kyle true. Bush. Bush, I'm calling you out right now. I like where this podcast is going. We're getting Kyle Bush called out. I mean, this, this, this is great. Just 
Just, just keep the milestones rolling in, quite frankly. But congrats to King on his 300th appearance on this show from the very, very start of, of Motorsport 101 back in 2014. Um, back when we were, we were recording Skype calls with an MP3 device. And uh, uh, this was still a university project. It was a strange time back then. I was a lot younger and a lot less fat. But here we are. But uh, good times indeed. And uh, congrats. We've also got another milestone to celebrate as well. Because it feels just like yesterday since he joined us, but this is already his 100th episode on M101, our newest edition. Cameron Buckley, ladies and gentlemen. Happy 100, sir. You may raise your back to the pavilion. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I don't know why you retain me. I feel like I just am kind of screaming into a void. Um, but you give me the platform to wow. do that, and... Um, I'd like to thank everyone from this dark corner of the screen because a very particular cloud is sitting right in front of the sun outside my window. <laughs> Shoutouts to you, cloud. Um, 100, 100 appearances. Um, Lewis, up yours. <laughs> so Carl Bush, Lewis Hamilton, anyone else you want to get off your chest today while we're still here? FIA um, race control. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Uh, there's always time for that. Whoever designed that cursed image of Suzuka, but it doesn't overlap on itself. Mm. Move on. Move on. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk <laughs> about it. What are we talking about today, Dre? Uh, what are, what we, kind of stuff do we have to plug? We, we have a lot to get through. We got, we got to, we'll get right to the housekeeping first and foremost. Right, so, basically you can find us, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. If you're watching us on YouTube, hi, thanks for joining us, subscribe, hit the bell, it would really help us out. Uh, much, much appreciated if you do that already. If not, you can subscribe over there to get full video releases of the podcast, highlights, and a bunch of other stuff as well. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, we're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you to follow our personal handles, you can at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at cbuckley917. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can at motorsport101pod. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Fuddlers gets you early access to all of the audio editions of our show. You can upgrade to $10 for the video versions and the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. You can find all those details and much more on our website, motorsport101.com. <coughs> So, as I said, this is a quadruple stacked burger here, folks, of, of, uh, of series to talk about. We've got F1, we've got MotoGP, we've got IndyCar, and we've got Formula E all on the bill over the next hour or I so. Just, yeah, just keep we'll start. stacking it up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Wendy's. You just, you just keep adding layers on top. It's great. Um, so, yeah, to, top, to start us off, let's go to Formula 1 at Paul Ricard for the French Grand Prix. The first episode of this... Seemingly Honda-sponsored special, the French Grand Prix. <laughs> and it was a French Grand Prix of pain for Mercedes, after a poorly executed strategy with Red Bull led to Max Verstappen chasing down Lewis on the penultimate lap after they converted to a two-stop and Mercedes stuck on the one-stop. Mercedes were the first to blink on a tire change after Valtteri Bottas had flat-spotted his tires, with the team openly admitting that they underestimated the power of the undercut some three seconds a lap in the hands of Verstappen, leaving Hamilton out for two laps longer 
and when he came out of the pits, Verstappen just pipped him into turn one. The race calmed down a little bit, but with concerns for multiple drivers about the hards making the end, and the Red Bull this year historically being a little bit harder on its tires over the course of a race than the Mercedes has been, Red Bull pulled the trigger for a two-stopper to, quote, pull a Spain, return the favor, and run Hamilton down. Sergio Perez ran long on his first stint to make his own one-stopper work, have enough tire life at the end, and pass Valtteri, what was it, with a lap to go? To claim P3 and Red Bull's first double podium of 2021. Mercedes admitted that they misjudged the race, apologizing to Lewis after his second place. And Valtteri Bottas was angry on main, saying, quote, Why the fuck did no one listen to me when I said this race was a two-stopper? Fuck. So. Oh, boy. Did Red Bull win this race or did Mercedes lose it? And (laughs) they won. (laughs) I'm just just going to cut in. That and if the latter, how big of a screw up was it? I was going to cut in. Red Bull won this race. I don't see any viable strategy that ends with Mercedes winning this race. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Valtteri Botas. Even if Mercedes (laughs) won a two stopper, neither you or Lewis were going to win this race today. Really? Um, so, it's it, it, it's a strange one, right? Because yeah. I didn't realize that Bottas a flat sport at a time. That's what started the chain of events that led to Verstappen yeah, coming out uh, in front after the first round of stops. When, when he got up behind Verstappen when was trying to pressure him, when he went off, I think in uh, first sector, that's when he that's when he beat up his tires. Mm. Right, right, right. Now. <laughs> It's easy to look at it and just go, well, you know, Red Bull pulled a reverse Catalina on them, basically. Like, I'm I'm not sure I agree with King on this one. I think Mercs could have won this race. I, 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 I think they got a little greedy, and I thought they took advantage of Bottas' flat spot to try and get him in front of Max and go for a 1-2. And I, and I think it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that they could pull off a 1-2 finish here. Yeah, um, If you believe in the power I'm... of dirty air, you're probably thinking, Hamilton holds this lead that he got because Verstappen botched the first sequence of corners on the opening right. lap. You're thinking right. at that point, right, this race is done and dusted. We can go home. We can go off to go uh, continue to sleep in or go out to the stop or whatever. But no, it didn't play out like that. I, uh, I agree with King. And not necessarily due to how the pit stop mm. played out. Um later in the race. I, as the track rubbered in, Red Bull went with a very low downforce setup, gave them great straight line speed, made the cars a little bit trickier. We had rain that washed all the rubber off the track and the Red Bulls were very tricky in the first stint. That showed when Verstappen went into turn one, lap one, lost the rear of the car with a a couple of oversteer moments and uh, fell behind Lewis. As the track rubbered in, Red Bull's pace was ridiculous. Um, Even after Lewis had uh, pressured Max for a few laps, he started to drop back after the uh, during the second stint. Mm. I think the bigger concern was Red Bull 
trying to cover off Mercedes potentially pulling a Spain again and sending Lewis back after him with the Mercedes known to be a little bit kinder on its tires. <clears throat> and I think they didn't want a repeat of what happened last time out where uh, Verstappen had a surefire win taken away by a catastrophic tire failure. And they brought him in. And he not only had the pace to run them down, he, he had time to spare. I think it would have been I think it would have been a bit more convincing, which I think would have also generated less of a firestorm of a reaction on the internet if it wasn't for the fact there was one a lot of traffic during the race and and I think that was probably a big part of the problem because France is a track where half of it you can't overtake around there's a lot of medium speed corners and a lot of cars that could get in the way of that um and it did Valtteri didn't help himself there at the end of that race either by basically defending against thin air um yeah which he uh his... didn't exactly help either Fair enough, Verstappen was way faster on his fresh tires. You couldn't right. hold him for a corner, Val? A corner? He overcooked it. He overfought it. I, I I, think he thought the attack was coming when I don't think it was actually Max already gave up the breaking corner. I think Max... Yeah. I think, yeah, I think Max was already too far back to, to, to consider a passing attempt, but Bottas defended it anyway, overcooked it, Basically, put two wheels off on the inside and then completely compromised his exit, and that's what opened the door for to make Max go through easily. Yeah, and it, it compromised his exit on a straight into a flat-out corner in a portion of the track without a DRS zone. All he had to do was just stay out in front, and he was going to hold the position for at least one more corner. Yeah, you had to be really optimistic to make moves and do scene and Lebose. I mean, granted, Lando Norris did a little bit of that, but that was that's a different scenario I th- early in the race. I think Mercedes, and they've made this mistake a couple of times this year, it feels like they're trying to build their strater- their strategies around the idea that their car is still overwhelmingly dominant when it's just not. Lewis can't no. pull a fastest lap of the race out of thin air on supposedly dead tires. Bono, my tires are dead intensifies. Um, to make a strategy work, whether it's protecting from the undercut, which Verstappen got, he closed three seconds of a gap in one lap. Yeah. Um, and, and Merckx admitted it themselves to Ted Kravitz in the middle of the race that, yeah, we underestimated the undercut, and that's why they're in the hot water they were in to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And I think even um, then... Red Bull was just, in the second half of the race, as the track rubbered in, Red Bull was just too fast for Mercedes to make the one-stopper work when the Red Bull was too quick on its mediums. I think even if they all match each other, I don't see how they get around Verstappen again. This This is like, this is the Red Bull that we've wanted to see for so long in this Turbo Hybrid era. All that bluster, and now it's finally come together... And now I believe that they are the odds-on favorite to win this championship at the rate that they're going. At the rate that they're they winning. The they both cars on the podium, three wins in a row, which hasn't happened before in the Turbo Hybrid era before for them. Oh, and I think... Of, I had a look earlier. Uh, go ahead, Drew. I had a look earlier today. Sorry to cut you yeah. there. Yeah. Um, with the bookies, Merck's and our favorites. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Rebel and our favorites. Max Verstappen is now four to five odds on favorite to, to win the championship now, well, ahead look, of Lewis Hamilton. This track was a Mercedes apogee two years in a row. 
They annihilated the field in 2018 and in 2019. Never, they never lost in the world championship era in France. Never, as a as a full factor. Hamilton had led all but yeah, and Hamilton I think had led all but one of the previous two years racing laps on that track. This is why this was complete annihilation. This race was so important because this is a Mercedes stronghold. This, if you were gonna build, Mm -hmm. if you were gonna build a track around what the Mercedes is, this is one of them. Front limited circuit, lots of medium to high speed turns, straights. Red Bull thrashed them in qualifying with Max. Mm. And were, tell you what, a couple years ago, if you told me a Honda was drag racing a Mercedes Benz in a straight line, I would have laughed at you. But that's what we saw this weekend. They were four or five miles per hour clear every straight. Yeah. Between their rear wing and Honda. You Hondas. hear that engine noise outside? That's the VTEC kicking yeah. in on uh, Sergio Perez's engine. <laughs> and it made yeah, the but... made the pass for the win relatively easy because Max got up behind Lewis, wound that Honda up, and just blew right by him to the point where Lewis didn't even really easy. bother defending it. He knew it was done. And when the when when the roles were reversed, like Hamilton just could not find a way around Max, despite being able to run in his dirty air zone within half a second for the majority of the lap. Yeah. Um. So it goes to show you how far Red Bull has come. And fun fact: the last three races since the infamous Catalonia two-stopper that Hamilton put out, Mercs have lost sixty-six points to their purple-colored rival since then over the last three just, rounds. It... They've gone from leading both championships to now losing out heavily in both championships. Now, 37 points back in the Constructors, too. It feels like... Almost a full race behind. It feels like <sighs> Red Bull was a little bit unfamiliar. They, they they had to get used to fighting for a championship again. They had to understand some things with their car that was absolutely as quick as it is now, but burned up its tires a bit. Had some... <clears throat> just little issues. And... If this is what we've got for the rest of the year, and Red Bull just pulled one, pulled one off of Mercedes at a stronghold, I don't see how Mercedes pulls it back, because there's the ever looming shadow of 2022. Neither of these teams can wind up their R and D machines and go at each other's throats, not without compromising next year. And I wouldn't put it past them to bring a few more little adjustments here and there, but. It feels like Mercedes' hands are tied here, and it feels like Red Bull has yeah. all the momentum. Yeah, I mean, you really want to sacrifice R&D for next year and potentially let McLaren or Alpine or Aston Martin or Ferrari back in the door? <laughs> Ferrari, back in the door of championship contention. <laughs> yeah, uh, side note, Ferrari had a terrible, no good, and very bad race. No points. Awful. Um, no points. Especially at all. 11th and 16th. Le- Leclerc at him. Bad day thoughts. I like the angle that this win was Adrian Newey avenging 1990 at Paul Ricard <laughs> when his, his Leighton House almost won with Ivan Capelli, only to cough it up at the last minute to Alain Pras. Finally, Adrian Newey gets revenge for 1990. Sweet. Things that have literally oh, never damn. been said before. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, Max. First time for everything on this show. Yeah, Max now leads the championship by what is it? Uh, 13 points? I believe so. 13 points. Um, pulled pulled maximum points from this race. Fastest lap and the win. And if they... If Mercedes... I'll, I'll put this in writing. You can come back to me on this. If Mercedes doesn't win two of the next three, they're in big trouble. 
because we have two a... of the next three are in Red Bull Ring, Austria. Oh, cool. yeah, because if we've got a little bit of everything over the next couple of races, if Mercedes doesn't find some performance, it, it there's no real way for them to put away Red Bull. It will be having to rely on Red Bull folding, whether it's reliability or Max making a mistake. Yeah, and True. you know. I don't see Max making any mistakes as a oh, driver was... at this point. Max, Super good. Max has changed this year. I th- I think he's th- he's thinking a lot more. I thought at the end of yes of Sunday's race that he got past Bottas, his tires were done. Lewis conjured up pace out of nowhere, out of his dead tires, and started holding Max back. As it turns out, Max was just cleaning up his tires for one last run and caught him with a lap and a half to go. Yeah. And that is not something it all Max... just fell into place for Max yeah. on the day. That's not something that Max from 2018 or 2019 would have done. No. He's learning when and how to attack. And that's a scary prospect. Do we... While we're wrapping this up, do we <clears throat> think Botas is kind of checked out at Mercedes... Because I, I felt like this came up in a chat I was having, uh, or that I was observing uh, during the race. Because I didn't, admittedly, didn't get to watch much of it. But hearing that rest of the radio, somebody brought up that like, yeah, this sounds like a driver who kind of knows that George Russell is going to be replacing him next year, but they're just trying to, you know, make sure that they give him enough time before they announce it, so that way it's not in his head. I, mm, I don't know. I would say, I wouldn't say he's checked out, but. He's in a situation where it feels like he knows every result he has matters. His back is whether the it's wall. him staying, yeah, whether it's him staying at Mercedes or him securing a seat somewhere else post Mercedes, yeah, he yeah. knows people are gonna be looking at his results and seeing what can Botas do for us. Indeed, and in, in terms of raw pace. I think this might be the best on paper that Valtteri's looked all year. This important man. Um, he was good certainly here. more than certainly more yeah, certainly more than Portimao in that ballpark where he led a good chunk of that race. But this was probably the most competitive Bottas has looked all season, especially in race trim. And you know, to a degree, he what he bit the big bullet when Merck screwed up on strategy, and then at the end of the race, he wasn't boxed for a fastest lap attempt either. And um, Bottas was one of the first guys to point out on the radio that this was a two-stop race, or he felt like it was a two-stop race, and he felt like he was ignored. And well, that's always going to be frustrating when you factor in the elements that King mentioned. Like it, just, it feels like it's not going your way, and then the guys who are meant to help you are not helping you, rightly or wrongly. He's going to vent. I think. I uh, feel like that venting was the sign of somebody who does care. But go on. I, I, of course he does. I think it's actually the other way around. It feels like Bottas is doing everything he can. And this race, he I, he was absolutely right to complain. He was left out there to try and salvage the win for Lewis after Mercedes got, as you said, greedy trying to go for a 1-2. They didn't have the car for it. And it, it left both drivers out there on tires that were just not up to scratch. And Perez, who and Perez is real. Perez at Red Bull is real. I'm so glad he uh, he ran down Bottas. He blew right by him, and yeah, that was on a one. Sure, we're not talking enough about Sergio Perez's title hopes. Tell you what, if he learn if he learns how to qualify that car, oh, oh. 
Yeah. Because that's the, that's the issue. He's consistently pretty poor in qualifying, but the last three races, he's been phenomenal. You, could, yeah. you couldn't ask more given Excellent his position uh, for, for Sunday. Yeah. They, they, they committed Perez to the long one-stopper on that race, and it, and it worked to perfection. That was the best they could have gotten for Perez on the day, and it worked. And Bottas was the big victim in that. Yeah, and yeah, the the, the the managing your tires is what made it work. That's why besides how Seb came up the field and finished in ninth as well on the day. Um, no, look, I, I I a part of me feels bad for Valtteri because I've, I've said it on this show over the last few weeks. I think people, I think his bad days get exaggerated to a degree on the internet because I know a lot of people just want to see George Russell in that seat regardless of what the results say at this point. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why Russell's an exciting talent, and he's a great driver. And Russell did well even, this weekend. Like, again, this was this was this was his best race of the season. Ironically, where he finished in twelfth on the road from a bad start. And it jumped him ahead of Haas on countback. Yeah, yeah, it's very. So awesome. it was a big, a big weekend. Yeah, big weekend for Williams. And you know, it's like every time Bottas has something go wrong with him, it's like we don't take him seriously on the internet anymore. So I kind of want him to do well, just to stick it to those people a little bit. Um, and this was this was not the race to dunk on Valtteri for if you want to talk about him and his future in that seat. I think he had a pretty solid race, and I think he was let down by his team today. So I can understand the frustration, because if I was in his seat, I know I probably wouldn't be very calm about it either. I'd be straight upstairs too, um, well, the, at best. Well, the problem <laughs> um, is now, I'm a hothead. now it's <laughs> swung around where Mercedes could, al- Mercedes could always exploit one Red Bull being in the fight. Bottas was in the fight here, but now we've got two Red Bulls. Now Perez is consistently beating the second Mercedes. Mm. Mercedes now has a world of work to do in the constructors because suddenly Red Bull doesn't... They're not just scoring with one car. A double podium, and I see I see double podiums coming thick and fast for uh, Red Bull. As, I can see, as I can see two of them in the next coming weeks. definitely definitely and and we all know if if, if Mercs don't retain the Constructors title this year who do you think is going to get the the portion of the blame here it's not going to be number 44 no Um, certainly um, and for better or worse Um, so yeah yeah I do feel a bit bad for Valtteri on that one. Um, I don't think this one was on him. Um, and, uh, yeah, Mercs, they've got work to do. And uh, they're now going to be on Red Bull's home soil with a very, very fast car to beat. Good luck with that one, guys. Um, should we talk about GP? I gotta admit, Dre, I did not see this coming. In a million years, I did not see this coming. I, I look. I I make no bones about it. I'm a huge admirer of Mark Marquez, and even I, as an enormous Marquez fan, I was starting to to believe some of the people that were saying he might not ever be the same dude ever again. But after 581 days since his last Grand Prix victory, back at Valencia in 2019, to, to top off probably the greatest season this sport had ever seen. Mark Marquez back in the winner's circle. And and I loved Steve Day's call over the line. 
And still, the king of the ring, Mark Marquez, uh, with his 11th consecutive win at the Saxon Ring, going back to 2010. Um, his eighth top flight win in a row. It was a superb performance. It was a stunning performance. It was a... It was a it was a bit of a time attack race in the end. It, it was a, some very light rain we had in Germany. There was always a minor threat of rain in the area. It did actually have a little sprinkling, but not enough to have a major effect on the race. Um, but it was a intense fight between Mark Marquez and KTM's Miguel Oliveira. And by the way, man, he is on fire at the moment right now. And on that on that KTM post chassis change. Second, Hot like the fries at the second. bottom of the bag, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, six. 65 out of the last 75 points from Miguel Oliveira in the last three rounds. Tell you KTM's what. KTM's fuel and chassis change. Tell you what, if he mm. keeps that up, Fabio better be looking mm. over his shoulder. Yeah, he's uh, white hot at the moment on that KTM. And again, he ran Marquez about as close as Jonas Volga did a few years ago. Uh, um, got to within a second by the end, but just burned up his tyres a bit too much, trying to stay with Mark. And Mark broke him with about three to go. We had Fabio Cotteraro as well, who, again, another champion's ride from Fabio. Yamaha was nowhere this weekend. Still got on the podium in third place. A very important podium. Extends his championship up to 22 points as well. It was an incredible, emotional victory. Mark, you could visibly see Mark crying multiple times. On the track, his brother, who was already taken out of that race by the little Petrucci, was one of the first dudes to congratulate him. Um, he bear-hugged the team. He cried when the Spanish national anthem played on the top step of the podium. This might be Mark Marquez's greatest within them all. I mean, and, and he's had a few, to say the least. Reasonably successful rider. Um, <laughs> Reasonably. Uh, 83rd career win. <laughs> I mean, 57 in the top flight. You just laugh when you, when you run some of these numbers off. But, uh, gentlemen, what did you make of that one? I, I never dared to dream. Uh, you know, a couple people who, who, we, who we've mentioned on the show as uh, content creators that we like with MotoGP kept saying, Mark's going to win this weekend. He's just going to. He's never lost here. He's just going to win. And Mark countered that saying, you know, my pole streak ended. He qualified fifth. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, my win streak is going to end. We are not here to win. We being Honda. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. over the course of the season, Honda had shown no evidence that they want to win. Hell, we were starting to talk about the possibility that Honda were going to tank the rest of this year for concessions. That they didn't right. want wow. him to get 11 in a row because that was the only one away. They were going to get concessions to fix their fundamentally broken bike. Well, whatever thoughts of doubt were going through Mark's mind clearly went out when he put the visor down. He barreled into turn one, got second, passed Alicia Spargaro doing the Lord's work on that Aprilia. To uh, fight Barry for the lead, Alicia Spargaro got a whole shot in Aprilia. Yeah, <laughs> we got nothing. Um, Mark Marquez led every lap. He won lights the flag. He won lights the flag I, I, after after breaking his arm so completely that it put him out for a year. Multiple surgeries. Uh, 
god-awful motorcycle. I mean, this place suits the Honda better than yeah. anyone else, and no other Honda was even in the ballpark come qualifying. Yeah. Not, Paul was nowhere. Uh, Alex was nice. nowhere. Nakagami tried. Um, threw a, Wrong tire. Yeah, threw a Hail Mary with the tire. Couldn't make it work. And it was Mark Marquez operating in flashes. You see him on lap one, and you think, that looks like Mark Marquez. But the big moment for me was when we had a little sprinkle of rain as he was leading just ahead of Aleish. And the gap that was fluctuating about four to five tenths blew out to a second and a half. And then blew out to two seconds. We didn't know it at the time, but that was the race over. Yeah. Like, we, you're not going to gun Marquez down that hard at the Saxon ring, even even in an injured state, even with one good arm. I mean, yeah. Jack Miller himself said after the race, he's got one good arm and he still came down and smoked us. Um, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yeah. Um, it's, but, you, you watch him and you watch him in the second half of that race and M- Mickey, he's so fast through the corners that don't stress his injured arm. He's pulling a half a second in the first part of the lap through the left-handers. And then in the right-handers, he started losing. And then he started losing more than he was gaining relative to Oliveira. And then the gap got the gap got under a second. I'm sure Mark looked at the pit board and dropped the mother of all hammers. Yeah, I. It was. He hasn't. He just. We can't beat this guy. It's, it's funny because Mark said after the race, he said that it was about lap five when the rain did start coming out where he said, I'm winning this race. Because that's what, apparently what he said after. He said, well, as soon as it started raining, I was like, I'm winning this and nothing is going to stop me. Um, and he must have been fighting through the pain barrier. I mean, Gavin Emmett said on the on BT Sports coverage in the UK during that final lap that he's still on antibiotics for this arm. Yep. And that the doctors have told him that it could still be another 12 months before he regains the muscle memory he had in that arm. He's not going to be 100% for a while, folks. Yeah. Like, there is no getting around this. And we mentioned it on the show, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Miguel Oliveira has been on fire for the last month. He should have won this race. Any other scenario, he wins this race easily. Um, And that's... Miguel was as good as anyone has been at the Saxon ring against Marquez in the last half decade. And he bullied Oliveira into submission on the final five laps of that race. He he baited Oliveira. It felt like he was resting that right arm. A little bit for one last push. Mm. As soon as Oliveira got close, Mark pulled a second on him in a lap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's the Marquez? We what, know what do we? Ha- what is there left to say about him? That he's. I've said it before, and I will say it again. He's the biggest freak talent I've ever seen in motorsport. Two wheels or four. Yeah. I've there's like. I've said it before, and I'm not the most richest man in the world, but when God created Mark Marquez, he created one of him. Yeah. There is no one is else one of one. like this dude. He is a true original. He is one of one, 
And when when you see your like, again, shout out to Lewis who's working the social media on MotoGP, our man here. I, I saw a video on Instagram they put up there earlier this afternoon talking about it. They were you're like, when the other riders are talking about how great that performance was, like Johan Zarco, who's always had a wave of the arrogance about him, Francisco Bagnaia spoke of it, the, the Jack Miller quote I just mentioned about he's got one good arm, he still so smokes us. <laughs> um, oh. You know, Miguel Oliveira was like, no, I, I knew I didn't really have a chance here, um, but goddammit, he tried. They all talked about how special this one was, and even I've seen some of the most hardcore Rossi nut huggers come out and say this one felt special. And uh, it, yeah, this was proof. It, it did. It was. It's proof going forward that if he does indeed regain his full physical self, and maybe if Honda gets off their ass and finally improves this terrible, no good, very bad motorcycle. Look, Mick Dewan almost lost his leg in 1992. Should have lost his leg. Mm. He came back with a flexing leg because the bone hadn't set correctly and still walks with a limp from that crash. Mm -hmm. He won five world championships. He beat everyone so bad in the late 90s, he convinced everyone that the 90s had no other good riders. Yeah, I think Mark's going to be He beat everybody okay. so bad that they convinced them that the 250ccs and the 125s were actually the premier category. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's the he guy did. he's the guy who prime Valentino Rossi said, "I've seen his data. He's fucking fast." Right. And uh Mark's he's gonna already be won okay. more than he ever did. He's going to be just fine. And, At least not think he's just fine. And no, another he, thing as well. He might win again before the years out. Yeah. Another thing as well. Mark Marquez had none of the usual swagger after the race. None of the dancing on the bike. He was just thankful. Of everyone who got him here. Yeah. And of the chance to continue doing what he loves. He spent a year without his one true love. <laughs> hmm. He thanked everybody. He thanked the academy. It was a, it was a it was a true Oscar speech. He thanked everybody that got him back to that point, and it felt special. And it was special. And hey, good news, Mark. Cota's coming back on October. October. Oh 6th. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, that's right. Paul, going to avenge twenty nineteen there too. Paul, um, Paul, <laughs> Mister Spark, you were never getting concessions. Sorry. <laughs> mm. Mm. But there was one other big storyline that came out of the Saxon ring, and unfortunately it was at the other end of the field, and it involved one Maverick Vinales. Yes, that name again. Um, Of all the bikes that finished the race, Maverick Vinales was last over the line. He qualified in 21st, and he pretty much stayed there by the end of the Grand Prix. Um, That was already shocking enough as it was. But uh, then, after the after the race, his post-race debrief, he led off some scathing remarks towards um, the situation he's in at Yamaha, including, quote, he feels he's, he's getting a lack of respect amongst the team. He scoffed and cited frustration at the suggestion that, hey, do you want to copy Fabio's setup and maybe go from there, given that Fabio's the only rider on Yamaha doing well at the moment. Um, he scoffed, he, he, he scorned, he pulled scorn on that idea, and uh, he even insinuated that he may have dropped back on purpose during the course of that race to, quote, 
test the bike. Um, it's it's a scathing. It was a it was I've an never, Ima, it was I've an never Ima heard of Ryder talk statement. about the factory like that. Even Rossi in his darkest Ever. days on the Ducati, he never spoke of the factory like that. Well, remember when Rossi did that a couple of years ago, and Yamaha actually apologized to yeah, him? Yeah, because all because like, everyone is, on a Yamaha was saying it. Fabio just got a podium. Yeah, yeah. So the question I ask to you, gentlemen, here is. Is this the point of no return for Maverick at Yamaha? Yes. And if so, where next? Yeah, because, like, the way he's phrasing, like, the way, like, oh, I dropped back on purpose to test the bike is saying that, oh, oh, I'm not the problem. The bike's the problem. And he's framing it in a way where it's like he's trying to sell himself to other teams where it's like, no, no, if you guys give me a good bike, I'll be competitive. Don't worry. Look... It's it, go on, Cam. that works if your team is nowhere. That works if no one's winning on your bike. Fabio Quartararo is absolutely the championship favorite, unless Miguel Oliveira continues being hotter than the surface of the sun for the next few months. Mm. Um, go KDM. <sighs> I I don't see a way back from this. When, when you're that, yeah, when you're, it's got, it's got to be hard to imagine where this could escalate from here. Like I saw Joel Embiid insinuated that his number one draft pick teammates' bad free throw shooting cost them a shot to advance to a conference finals of basketball. Thank you for tuning into our. That's because it podcast. did because Ben <laughs> I don't because know. Ben Simmons isn't a good basketball player. Moving on. <laughs> That is so that's the cost to go past. Jeez. Um, is this the Ben Simmons Hells Angels game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Philly's coming for me. Philly's coming for me. <laughs> Moving close. Sorry, right, just remind just remind them that they have Carson Wentz. Anyway. You can't come back from this. Because if you're if you're saying that you are deliberately throwing what little result you might have to quote test the bike. If you're calling out your engineers, and if, once again, Maverick Vinales is the king of hypotheticals. He's the king of the race on paper. He has speed and nothing else. If he can't break away, get into a rhythm, and ride completely unchallenged for an entire race, he's one of the worst riders in the field. Which is very aggravating of someone of his talent level, because he has the talent. He's shown it. He's proven it. Oh, yeah. Only two men in this field have more wins in the top flight than Maverick Vinales and there. Number 46 and number 93. And yet... Maverick Vinales, has nine top flight wins, and that's... His, and that's kind of the problem. He has nine top flight wins in seven years. Yeah. And he's had factory bikes his entire top flight career. When was his last win? <sighs> Started this year, right? right. Yeah. Feels like... That's our, that's our two. Feels like it was five years ago. It, it couldn't feel any more removed from how it is now, and he's always had this problem, but it's just seemed to have gotten worse and worse. Anyway, when you're when you're th- publicly throwing your team under the bus, there's not much way back from it, especially with a company like Yamaha with a very rigid corporate structure, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. Don't 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 speak ill. We'll try and fix it behind the scenes mentality. It's, I, 
it gets frustrating to talk about Maverick because it's not like Yamaha have not done him any favors or not thrown him a bone. He's gone through three crew chiefs. He just changed crew chiefs two races ago. Yeah, he, he's brought in Valentino Rossi's old crew chief. He, he, he drove out Ramon Forcada, who single-handedly has helped Frankie Morbidelli in his career since going Which, over to oh, SRT and helping him. Frankie, uh... He's had three different crew chiefs. He's had mm. many, many petulant rants at the state of that team. And it's like... It's it's the double-edged sword of he's won nine Grand Prix, which is the third most in the field, but he's only won nine Grand Prix in seven seasons in the top flight. For a guy that was touted as a potential Marquez stopper, the Marquez stopper, the other young, talented Spaniard... The guy who got on the Yamaha in 2017 and beat the field black and blue to start the year was riding away and Mm. destroying everyone, race after race, and then it just stopped. And now he really hasn't got an excuse now because Fabio Quartararo has got into that team and is now championship favorite with nearly a race of points in hand. Is making is making Vinales look like an amateur? Yeah, it, it, it's over. I, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly of the camp of. I think Yamaha might swallow their pride, buy out the rest of Vinales' contract because he's on a two-year deal at the moment. He's, he's there till the end of next season. Um, they signed that deal before the 2020 season had even started originally, um, or, or, or where it was going to start before COVID hit. Um, the thing this was back in February because he lives in Qatar now. He wanted that deal wrapped up quick so he could focus on his riding. And now it's an anchor of a contract because you've got a guy that clearly doesn't want to be there. He's you, stuck on a two-year deal. This discourse can't. They might con- just buy him out. This discourse can't continue for another year. And the problem for Yamaha is that the guy they could have very easily slotted right into that seat and said, "Well, F Vinales and F Patronus SRT," with the rumors swirling around that team. Uh, Frankie Morbidelli destroyed his knee in a training accident again, and is out for at least Assen. He'll be replaced by uh, the American Garrett Gerloff. USA. USA USA or something. So, I mean, when you were... Frankie Morbidelli's on a two-year-old bike where he's having to ride at a near superhuman level to get any lap time out of it. Yeah, he's beating the snot out of Valentino Rossi, who looks like Valentino, he's going to be done at the end of the season. And going to GTM in WEC. Speaking of Valentino Rossi, he was the second-best Yamaha this weekend. He was consistently 12th, 13th, Effortlessly outpacing Vinales on the full factory bike. Watch Vinales win Assen in a fucking canter. Now that we've just gone He's through done all it before. this slam. Yeah, he, he, he has like, done it like before. That, like, he, he did it the last time he raced it two years ago. It was one of the few races Marquez didn't win. But, and but it's, Vinales broke but away and Marquez was though. like, nope, can't touch him. You can't, you can't <laughs> peak and trough like this. You can't be the best rider in the world one weekend and, be, and produce your worst result in the top flight the next. It's not sustainable. Yeah, like it's it's not sustainable, and for all the talent in the world, he is a fundamentally flawed rider. The problem with Yamaha now is is that if they bring up Frankie Morbidelli, you put your you put your satellite team in the shit because Rossi is probably retiring at the end of the year. It's not official, but there's already talk he's going to try and get into the WEC next year, um, and. 
they've not got much in reserve with Patronus. Yeah. You're looking at their number one option is Jake Dixon, which is great for BT Sport. <laughs> You've got to Britain the top flight again. Woohoo, nationalism. But, uh, he, oh, this lot is British. Oh my god. But he's regressed compared to the end of last season, and it's and then it, or it's Xavi Vierge, who is pretty middle of the road as a veteran in Moto Two. Um, they might bring up John McPhee to Moto2 to force somebody's hand, but there's controversy over that as well because they promised McPhee they're going to bump him up for a year and a half, and they haven't yet. So uh, Patronus is a mess right yeah. now. They took a, they took a punt on a year of Rossi. It's not worked. Um, if Maverick doesn't end up there, maybe a prettier. I don't. I don't think Good so. God. I, no, because <sighs> right, it, it's it's worse than Zarco at. It's worse than Zarco at KTM because Zarco was pu- publicly critical of the bike. He wasn't out here slandering his crew and the management of the team. And that that, that ride ended. Zarco's done well for himself since. If you're Aprilia right now, you have Alicia Spargaro doing the Lord's work on your bike. And you have potentially Andrea Davizioso waiting in the wings for a factory seat next yeah. year because the Aprilia actually you ain't too Bever bad. Vinales? You don't. And I fail to see how anyone. I don't want to see Vinales fall out of the sport because he's proven he is that good on his day. But he's got to get these who's character flaws somebody out. Somebody aside. Nobody. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. A, a prospect. Hmm. What if Suzuki moved out Alex Rins for him? Because Rins is having a dreadful season, and when it and we found out going into this weekend that uh, apparently that that incident with the cycling was him texting while riding. It did not go down well. Texting while all. riding on a bicycle right into the back of a van. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't get himself killed. monumentally stupid. He's lucky he didn't get himself killed. Um. Yeah, depends what Suzuki sees in him because, as as we know, he was there before. He won with them before when they were just still finding mm-hmm. their feet in the sport. But do you try to bring in Vinales or do you try to bring in a prospect from the lower categories who you believe is your future? And we're talking about someone who's I, I, very I think, young in Vinales. I honestly, honestly, I don't think there is a, a prospect worth taking on in Moto2 because the top two in there right now is blatantly Gardner and Fernandez, and they're both probably going to end up at Tech 3 next year. Uh, good news for King. He's got like four quality riders in the top flight next year. Yeah, KTM's <laughs> like, looking good right now. It's disgusting. They're eating good. But uh, good luck breaking down that Mavericks Vinata situation, especially because uh, City Season's looking bland this year for, for, for bikes. And. Uh, it could get spicy if Maverick Vinales hits the open market. More on that soon. RJ O'Connell, IndyCar and the gearbox blown. All heard all over the world. Hit, hey, me, hit me with it. IndyCar. Joseph Newgarden. We're at Road America. Joseph Newgarden has led 32 laps out of a 55-lap race. Alex Pillow is the only dude that can live with his speed for most of the race. He had this win in the bag until we have a restart with two laps left and then joseph newgarden starts the pull up the hill down the home stretch and then all of a sudden his momentum stalls out polo blows by him before they even get in the first corner his car is stuck in fifth gear and then he has to cry 
grind it down to the first gear to finish the last lap, slower than what he drove under the pace car. So Alex Pillow wins his second race of the season out of Colton Herta and Will Power, and Pat O'Ward finishes down in ninth, which is decent, but not what you want when you have a one-point lead, which gives Pillow a 28-point lead with seven races left in the season because we won't be replacing Toronto. King! Is it time to call your man Alex Pillow the title favorite? Is it now a two-horse race between him and Award, or can the veterans gun him down with Ditson 53 points out, Newgarden 88 points out? Remember, after Indianapolis, I said, Alex Pillow's title chances are going to depend on how well the next three races go. And we've gone through three races. One of them is a little rough. The other two, pretty good. (laughs) Pretty good. He now has a win in hand. Uh, He's not going away. He's not going away. He's not going away. We're over halfway through. He's he's lost a little bit of a margin. It was 36 after Indianapolis. It's still 28. Considering the race directly Um, after Indy, he will take that because he was nowhere with the the, the grid penalty, Mm. basically scoring no points. He's undone most of that damage. (sighs) Oof. Because the thing, like, Pelo won this race. Pado was a little bit below par. I I think it was down in eighth. Um, nice. Dixon, the, the Dixon very quietly did his thing where he just doesn't do anything worth a damn in the race, but still finishes in fourth. And you don't even realize, like, you just turn around and you realize, wait, Dixon's in fourth? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, and, one um, of the few dudes that started on the uh, the primary tires, and uh, one of the few dudes that finished the race on the alternate tire compounds. This was another race where the primary seemed to be the meta tire. Polo went. Uh, primary tires all the way to the end of the race actually finish it on a scuffed set and f- set his fastest lap on them which is wild to think about you know what else really impressed me was Romain Grosjean my dude was elbows out like all day Oh, he looked this like, like, this he looked is, like prime like, Lotus Grosjean just making those decisive low margin high reward moves and making them work yeah, that, like, like Mr. I take no shit to Romain Grosjean that was fun no, look, I, I, I did the maths on it. If Newgarden had won that race, he would have been minus 42. He mm. wasn't. He's now minus 88. That gearbox going into emergency mode cost him... Four, it was a 46-point swing. Almost an entire race's worth of points. Um, 88 with Penske being out of form. I, mean, I still can't Penske believe we're out of halfway through. Penske's not won a race. Penske aren't <laughs> out of form. They just keep losing in increasingly ridiculous cartoonish ways. Yeah, it's ridiculous. This is the longest The racing gone... gods of like, fuck this. You've got, you <laughs> got the, the series, no season. conflict of interest here. It's the longest they've gone into a season since without winning since 1999 a year that started with al Unser breaking his leg one corner into the season and a cavalcade of misfit replacement drivers that came in until an old al Unser jr was ready to come back and then announce he was going to that to that other company out east brother mm-hmm. yeah yeah or out west or wherever it was it's- that's how bad it was like it's Penske, like, I have hmm. I have confidence they'll win, but it's just getting 
wild. It, it feels like we were getting ready for a uh, second half of the season New Garden to make his usual charge. And this has put an end to that. Right in the crib. Uh, I don't know. There's still enough time left. Well, it's not where... so much that New Garden can't. I believe that New Garden, if he really wanted to, could win every remaining race this year. The problem yeah. is, Polo just he just ain't going away. He, it's like he's on the top yeah. five every weekend. Yeah, because Polo is kind of what you expect the big three teams to be doing, always in contention. And when someone slips, they're there to capitalize. And I, as as much as they made gains over you know last year and so far this year, I don't think you know McLaren could really be up there alongside Ganassi yet. Yeah, Pato has the flashes, but he doesn't have that consistency yet. Like, as this title fight, you know, goes on, I do think Dixon's going to be more of a threat. Penske will break through and get a win, but I think we're going to start seeing Arrow McLaren SP slowly fade. I'm not so sure about that, to be honest. And it's not because I want to see another team, like, actually make a legitimate effort to try and break the triopoly that we have at the top of the championship chain. Award looks has been just excellent this season. Yeah, he, he didn't look so great in Road America. No, but that's not the thing. Like, he, when he's good, he is, he wins. When, when, I, when Patricio Award is good, he wins the race. But when he's not, he's eighth, ninth, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. Yeah. Polo, if he's not winning the race, is like third or fourth every week. He's pulling a Scott Dixon on Scott Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. We got Gateway coming up. That's a race he nearly won twice last year when we had two Gateways. Mm. But it's... It's the youth movement is here, folks. Oh yeah. And Colton Hurd's Hurd has got to be wondering, like, damn, why ain't I up in this? Because <laughs> Andretti stinks. <laughs> yeah, because as much as we say triopoly, it's it's Andretti's right now. It's a duopoly. It's now and, become a duopoly. Andretti has fallen from that that third slot, and uh, How many, how many of the different... Uh, I think every driver at Penske is going to be a full-blown drinking buddy by the end. Scott had a bad weekend. <laughs> Pagano qualified well, had an issue in the race that just robbed him of any and all speed. Yeah. Uh, Payne. And now this is Will Power and Joseph Newgarden. Newgarden losing two pretty much surefire wins in a row. Power losing mm-hmm. um, a pretty comfortable one at Detroit 1. Got, a, got back on the podium uh, this weekend at Road America. Oh, and by the way, we're, we're, we're obliged to mention, Matt's children got Carlin back in the top ten. Watch I don't get it either. Sometimes, you know, a broken clock is, twi- is right twice a day. <laughs> it works. No, like, I, I can't disagree with much of this. Like, we keep looking for a hole in Pelot's game. At the moment, there isn't one. It's 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 as simple as that. He's just this good. Um, he's got an excellent package around him. The chip cars have all been excellent this season. Um, all all except one. Is, yeah, well, another yeah. all except one. But that one that one car got a win. 
No, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the chocolate. The the the, the chalky oh. car. Oh, jo- oh no, Johnson no, 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 no. had another I... really rough weekend. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> Way to go, King. 300 episodes, he's still finding his fate. Way to go, King. Yeah, the 48 clearly belongs to Hendrick Motorsports still, clearly. Of course. Yeah, this, this is just going to become a running gag yeah. where I just completely forget. How could you for, how could you forget? How could you forget with all how those Carvana ads? Last week we were talking about how NBCSN wouldn't shut up about hyping up this dude. And uh, what, like, makes like, hurt, uh, and, 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 what makes it hurt? What makes it hurt? I need a montage. I need a montage of all the moments King confuses Jimmy Johnson for for the NASCAR. I need all of them in a shorts on YouTube immediately. <laughs> Thank you very much. We're going viral. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> what makes it all the more rough uh, to to touch on it for a moment is that uh, Kevin Magnuson had a pretty solid. Weekend in the car, all things considered. Uh, engine grenaded in the race, but up to that point, he was doing okay. Oliver Askew. Woo-hoo. There was a minute there oh. we thought he might win this thing. Yep. So unlucky. Yeah, they were just able to get the race going with two laps to go at the end, but Askew was, was, was waiting and waiting for a caution that came about a lap after he went into the pits. Mm, unlucky sum. Yeah, um, two super subs, but, but, uh, and Johnson was still not not good. Not good. Uh, oh, well, we're getting there, Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy, get it together. <laughs> we're rooting for you, Jimmy. Uh, but uh, hey, that's 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 IndyCar for you. They'll be back next weekend at Mid Ohio, Dixieland. Well, that's that's bound to be fun. Um, King, I think Formula E done um, did it again. I'm, I'm, um, I'm out. I'm out. Good luck with that one, buddy. We so yours. Remember when we were talking after the first race in Valencia, like, this is the darkest, bleakest moment in Formula E's history. There's a legitimate argument to think, wow, this, all, this just got topped and we're only like a couple of months removed. Yeah. Uh, the the last time we saw a shocker this large around the city of Puebla was the time the Mexicans defeated the French and on on the fifth of May. Uh, I see. <laughs> but yes, <clears throat> Formula E has returned to Mexico this time, not in Mexico City at Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, but in the city of Puebla. Well, not a street circuit that we're used to. It was a circuit around a permanent course. A permanent oval, nonetheless. A the road Roval. course at an oval. A, ro- a the Roval. Roval. The Roval. And uh, the story of the weekend, you know, besides, you know, fans returning for the first time, us having a, a Joker lap a- a attack mode, uh, the the circuit literally crumbling under the tires. The story of the weekend was one Pascal Verlein who uh, had a tremendous performance in both both races on the weekend. Race one, it seemed like he was going to win the race in somewhat dominant fashion, as dominant as formerly he can be. Uh, but in the late stages of the race. 
message from race control appears. Car, uh, car 99 under investigation for a technical infringement. Um, it's like, uh, it's like, huh? Yep. There's no explanations why, uh, people just started speculating. And, uh, we didn't get a definitive answer until just as the race ended to why Pascal was under investigation, but, but we learned why as we got the decision. And the decision was that Pascal Verline was disqualified from the race, giving the race victory to Lucas Degrassi. Uh, oh, <laughs> the second time that Pascal Verline has been victimized to Louis, Lucas Degrassi's benefit in the country of Mexico during his Formula E career. And it continued on. Race two, next day, seems like Pascal Verline is set for a solid second place finish. Same thing happens again. Pascal Verline under investigation for power overuse post race not only post race but post podium uh, oh yeah verline learns he's under investigation while in the media pen because he was asked about the penalty and that was the first event he's ever heard of oh <laughs> and we, then we, we were we were, we were joking as the race was going on it's like is the michelin man in the background gonna tell him and and then later that day he's given a five second time penalty demoting him off the podium in the fourth place uh and just to quickly circle back the penalty in race one was given to him for uh a failure to declare tires for the race uh basically formula e race operations boiled it down to yes we did we do have and see the tires in our system. It's just that Porsche didn't hit the button to declare the tires for the race. And, so, uh, yeah, oh. it's, it is, uh, is a tough pill to swallow. A lot of people were frustrated by this. I was frustrated by this. Uh, Me too. Formula E chairman Alejandro Gag was frustrated by this. He said that he wanted to kill somebody. Uh, oh, he's damn. not the only that's a, one. That's a quote. That's a, that's a quote that gets you hard locked from Twitter for twenty four hours. Damn. Right. Right. That, that's why. That's why you say it as a quote to to a member of the press. And Let somebody else take that bullet. <laughs> they can tweet it, and then they're fine. They don't get put in Twitter jail because it's not them making a threat; it's someone else making a threat. Uh, so they're in the clear too. That's how you get around going to Twitter jail. What lesson for everyone at home? But yeah, uh, it this this seems like and the second penalty a very the second penalty was not actually for power overuse. What it was, was Pascal receiving fan boost and leaving it late enough in the race, because he was trying to trying to fight for the lead, that when he activated it, his car didn't have the state of charge to support the power increase and refused to use the extra power. I caramba. <laughs> I can't remember. 
a weekend, maybe in my 20 plus years as a motorsport fan, where one man was this unlucky. Like, this, this is just... There was, it was completely out of Pascal's hands. All of it. <laughs> and he had a podium taken off him and a guaranteed win taken off him. I... For yeah. no fault if, of his own. If it <laughs> wasn't for the penalty in race one, Pascal Verlaine would be leading the championship. <laughs> and now he's in 12. And this would have been huge for Pascal, given it is so close in Formula E right now. There is literally we have a it. handful of points covering the top five at the moment, and that would have been that would have single-handedly saved Pascal's pretty miserable start of the season. And it essentially counted for naught. He's back in the midfield again. I proposed this uh, question before we started recording. If you're Pascal Verline at at that point after having the win taken away, or even after getting demoted off the podium, is there is there like a a a nerve in the back of your mind that thinks I I should quit this series right away, no matter how much Porsche? Under normal circumstances, (laughs) probably not, because that's not this is not how racing drivers are wired. But in these circumstances. Look, look, look. Full disclaimer. Biggest Porsche nut hugger. Oh, yeah. King of them. The biggest. King Porsche simp here. Why is a paperwork error that is easily checkable on the grid to see which tires they have on That gives no competitive advantage out on track. Worth a disqualification. When it is clearly not even worth officiating in person to the FIA. That aspect of it seems completely fucking asinine. Yeah, and I I feel like... I'm, I'm fine with the penalty. But what I'm completely aggrieved by is how loosely it's monitored. If 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 the penalty is a disqualification, this infringement should be monitored yeah. on the, the same beginning. level that yeah. the penalty is a disqualification. You should treat this as if they're trying to tamper with the tires, which means yeah. you're inspe- you're you're you should treat this seriously if it's worth that much. And it, it clearly isn't because the fact that it took that long into the race for them to realize it, and and the fact that they ran the whole race, let him cross the line, and then booted him out. Yeah, when you're you're in the rules, you're supposed to declare tires ten minutes before the race even starts. What happens? Yeah, if you see that they they aren't declared, you send someone down to Porsche. Yeah, what what the fuck's going on? Declare your tires. You don't. You don't let them run the race. That's why the penalty is a disqualification. Because in yeah. every other series, you don't get to that point. Yeah, they, they'll yeah. Pro- they right. won't let Verline you run. wasn't the only dude hit with it, but Verline was also the dude that should have won this race. Yeah. yeah. And in the second race, I mean... Uh, in the second... I don't even know with this penalty. 
Because it feels like... Fair play to Eduardo Martara, first and foremost, yeah. for for just crushing it lights to flag. Like, that was great. Yeah, Ver, the, no, he and Verline were in a completely different league. Um, yeah. And he ended up, even regardless of what happened with the penalty, uh, Verline made a mistake. He was not going to beat Martara regardless. Mm. But he had, he had second. He was going to have second. He was going to have a win in second place, and this is... Pascal Verline passed someone, King. He passed yep. someone. Before you were getting somewhere. And said he wasn't. <sighs> what? It's... That, what that's talking is fan boost is mandatory. Effectively is what that's saying. And even if you use it and your car doesn't let you use it, you will get a penalty. No, but... Like Cam, I don't know where you heard that explanation of his penalty, but it was it it was given for power overuse, as in, uh, really? you know, you, you hit a bump. At, so it was while he was on fan boost, but he hit a bump at a specific moment, and basically, it there is a a very 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 brief power spike, and it went above the fan boost limit. And that's what triggered the the overuse penalty, something that is completely out of his control. Uh, that it was pretty much down to just software. It said, uh, uh, "I'd seen I'd seen I, that on motorsport.com, So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Uh, no ideal at all, and it should never have to come down to a point where. That car was allowed to race, and it should never have gotten to the point where, literally, as he's crossing the line, we found out within seconds of the race being over, he's been DQ'd, and then I've he got, they I've cut got the... to literally Audi jumping up and down for a one-two finish. I've got, it I've was, got the FIA it was bulletin. To watch. I've got the FIA bulletin that the technical data showed that the driver activated the fan boost, but due to the low remaining energy in the car, the minimum power of 240 kilowatts was not reached. The technical data then showing that the maximum oh. energy of 100 kilojoules were, were not completely used. Oh. That's that's straight from an FIA bulletin, so... Yikes. So, a, 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 a boost that is given by the fans that will only happen to a quarter of the field is now essentially mandatory for those cars that use it. No, but, but it wasn't just mandatory. He used it. His yep, car prevented him from using it, and they penalized right. him. That's just... Yeah. How does that make sense? It doesn't. <laughs> That's an easy yeah, way to so, explain it. It doesn't make sense. So, yeah, it, it's you have to use it for uh, a set period of time. So, basically, you just have to activate it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have to use it for the maximum amount of time period, like allowed, but there is a minimum amount of time, and you never use it for the minimum because the car wouldn't let him override because the car thing, the car software said you don't have enough power to do this, so I'm not going to let you do this. I would much rather talk about like how we're sizing up to have a yet another close, unpredictable championship battle where it seems like everybody can win and nobody can pull away. And it's going to go on right paper, down the wire. Fantastic. But we're not, Look, but we're not but It's like, about. on paper, this is fantastic. But there's a driver who could have been in this championship scrap who isn't now. Look, yeah. yeah. 
I really like Formula E. The racing's great. The cars look cool. They sound cool. The drive got tons of drivers from all different backgrounds. A lot of great personalities. But uh, after weekends like this, when people say that Formula E isn't a real racing series, quote unquote, that it's like real life Mario Kart, they're not that far off. Because when you get past the core racing product, these these things tacked on and these things that the FIA enforce more by proxy than by actually going out and regulating them get in the way of what is fundamentally a fantastic series. And we're left talking yeah. about the bad aspects of it rather than the great on-track product. Because Mortara and Verline had a great scrap for the win. Yeah, because from the outside looking in, it comes off as the FIA had to cut so many corners to just allow a racing series to basically have a one-day show and have as minimum officiating staff as possible that they created situations where where the winner of the race isn't determined by what happens on track or by you know what people consider as silly gimmicks but just simple like legalese and regulation that's just and red tape you use the it it feels like it's racing by it's racing by legal terms Rather than it feels like what people think Formula One is whenever their favorite driver doesn't have a good day. Mm. Yeah. Um, hello, Lewis Hamilton Twitter. Bad luck. <laughs> uh, it's just <laughs> aggravating. It it, it, it's aggravating because it got in the way of two races that had good on track racing. This track was actually a lot of fun. More rovals. Yeah. Yeah. Even, maybe, even think, now, maybe rethink the exit of the uh, attack mode zone. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, that was fun. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I wish we were talking about how fun those races were instead yeah. of, you know, like, all this other <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> the races were very entertaining. Uh, obviously, though some drivers didn't like it, like Jean-Eric Verne hopes we never come back here. Because, he did not have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, no. because besides the... Uh, the attack mode exit, which a lot of the drivers found as being unsafe, which, I mean, they were right. Uh, a lot of the surfaces were literally falling apart under the tires of the cars, where they're it's like... like yeah, these, yeah. yeah, where it's like people assume, oh, FE cars are slow. No, they they corner pretty quickly. Yeah, well, well and even mm. these aren't really, these aren't downforce cars in the sense, and they don't have slicks. So imagine how bad the surface would have been if we were in, like, a higher-tier formula car than this. Um, yeah. Yeah, the track layout itself was pretty great, but the facilities, something to be desired. Incredibly frustrating. And King, um, are we going to be able to go to the Brooklyn e Because that's next on the calendar. So I'm pretty sure right now, at, at time recording, there are currently no tickets available. At time of release, we're probably still not going to know. Because uh, apparently, uh, for for Puebla, tickets went on sale for that race the week of the race. Uh, and it seems like if, if fans are allowed to come to the New York E-Prix, it'll be the week of the race. We'll find out or not. 
Oh, yeah. Because, uh, I don't know. If we can, uh... Yes, I know. Hen- I know. Vice, Hendrick Motorsports just, just got a new vice chairman, Mom. Jeff Gordon, new uh, new vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports. But uh, if tickets go on sale, might cat might catch you at the Epre. Maybe. Maybe. See, we'll have to see what happens. Um, Dre stepped away. Dre stepped away. Uh, you know, thankfully, hopefully, this time uh, when King and I try to hang out in real life, there isn't a de- deadly pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. Dre oh. has left the building like John McAfee. Oh my <laughs> oh god. god. <laughs> On it other is. news, Dre has left the building like Oliver Rowland. <laughs> yeah, Oliver Rowland out at Nissan in at Mahindra, probably. Yeah. If you believe the hyphen. It, it's <laughs> the hyphen are usually right about this. Yeah, they're well connected. Uh, it's, uh... I wouldn't say it's unexpected. No. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people are confused because they only got one half of the story. It's like, oh, Oliver Roland's out at Nissan. Why would Nissan get rid of Roland, who's been performing well and not Bwemi? And it's like, oh, you think you think Nissan let Oliver Roland go? No. no. Yeah. Roland's and, and, leaving. Yeah, and even then, like Sebastian <laughs> Bwemi is responsible for like 97 percent of EDM successes, and that. And one thing that Nissan is is like loyal to a fault to a dr- to some of their drivers. Yeah. Mm. In, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Dre. While we were away, we broke the John McAfee story. <laughs> John McAfee story, and my mom texted me. Uh, yeah, Jeff Gordon, vice chairman of Hendrick Motorsports. Never Ooh, saw that coming. Bad luck. Bad luck for you, Mike Joy. You're stuck with Clint Boyer and Clint Boyer only. Fate Jeez. worse than death. But yeah, the lineup at uh, the the potential lineup at Mahindra is looking pretty good. Uh, don't know who Nissan are going to get to replace Oliver Rowland. Daniel Kvyat. <laughs> if you're smart, it's Daniel if you're Kvyat, smart, Daniel number one Kvyat. of the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Not not Alex Albon, okay. Maybe uh, I think that ship has sailed at this point. Maybe uh maybe Valtteri Wait, wait, we're completely off I was like, we're completely off the album wagon then, yeah? yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is all the bonus content that's been cut while during the restaurant break. Yeah. Maybe uh <laughs> Oh, this is getting cut? <laughs> maybe maybe Valtteri Baltas if the season keeps going the way it is. Oh. Well you don't need to no, manage these oh, tires, Valtteri. We don't change them. If Valtteri's le- if Valtteri's out of F one, he's not going to FE. He's he's probably going to World Rally Championship. Oh boy, back into the Sebastian Ogier grinder he goes. Yeah, oh, like, congratulations, you get to be new Kibby. Yeah, and the thing is, Val- Valtteri Bottas is not that good at rallying, guys. No, <laughs> I was gonna say like he's not a great rally driver. So what think do you about that? No, because that's not the even exposure. the point. The point is that Sebastian Ogier is never gonna log off. He's gonna keep winning championships <laughs> until the day after the end of days. I can't or, believe we've entered our second season in a row where OGA says, this is going to be my last season, everyone. And then we're not even halfway through the season. Guys, I'm coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Guess what, guys? Something came up. If you can beat me, I'm still if here. you can beat me, I'll leave. 
And he still ain't leaving. <laughs> it's the final episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! all over again. Th- it's like I, the Pharaoh I, can't go home till he's beaten. <laughs> I honestly thought he was just going to win the world championship and just leave. It's never that simple. Just like motorsport. Look, and that's why we're here. Look, to Chip Ganassi likes winners. Sebastian Oje likes winning. Yeah. He ain't ever going to stop. And on that note... Let's get out of here. Um, a hectic week, to say the least, but a, but a fun one to break all down. We'll be back next week. We've got the first of two Formula One races in Austria, the Styrian Grand Prix up first. Hinted talk of rain on Sunday. Just from that of way rain out there. It's, the it's, it's still Wednesday. It's still Wednesday, <laughs> but like, yes, it's rain. We need there's, light. there's rain <laughs> predicted for Friday, for Saturday, for Sunday, and for Tuesday. Mm. So it's a, a, come back to me Thursday afternoon, then I'll believe you. Okay, we'll come back in about twelve hours time. Uh, and then in the meantime, yeah, we got the first of the two F one races at Austria, the Styrian Grand Prix. We also have MotoGP at Assen, which is weird to say it's going to be on a Sunday this year, but here we are. MotoGP at Assen, the Dutch Grand Prix. Oh, well, look, look. If, if you're not normally a MotoGP fan, Assen is one of the best races on the calendar. And it, it's, it's, not, it's not the Dutch Grand Prix. It's the, it's the Dutch the, TT. Sorry, sorry. I know Somewhere I'll be killed Lu- yeah, if Lewis, I, if I Lewis Sudeby is loading the gun now. <laughs> granddaddy of them all. The Dutch TT, uh, look, look, it's one of the best races MotoGP puts on all year. Go out of yeah. your way to see it. It will be... If, if, if the field is still this close, it is going to be insane. Go watch it. Watch you will not it. regret it. Um, those are the big two. We'll be, we'll be talking about both of those on next week's show. Uh, basically, you can find us in the meantime. or on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. or on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at Buckley 917 uh, we're also on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod, and you can catch us um, as well on Patreon if you want to back us financially on there, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport101. We'll be back next week to talk about Formula 1 in, in Austria Part 1 and MotoGP for the Dutch TT. Um, until then, I've been Andre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley, and until next time, sayonara. Later, y'all! Bye! I don't know how I'll ever recover from last weekend's Formula E event. <laughs> I don't know if we ever will. How much ever clear you got in the fridge? Not enough.